Welcome into 11 Personnel. I'm Nick Roush. He's Adam Luckin. And as always, we're presented by our good friends at Monticello Bank. The best bank in all the land. They've been in business for 199 million years. And that's only a slight hyperbole. Since the 1800s, they've been banking here locally. But they'll go wherever you go with the GoNBC mobile app. NBCBank.com. Monticello Bank. They're simply the best where people are on your side and where my computer is not on my side today. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I was very frustrated, Mr. Lockett. I was ready to rock, ready to roll. We've been doing position previews. I'm, I've, I've got some takes. I'm ready to unload. And then, it, you know, technology happens. But we're powering through thanks to our friends in Monticello Bay. IT issues. No fun. Zero fun, sir. But I'm glad you got it figured out. You're a handyman, Mr. Roush. You, you, uh, you know how to troubleshoot. Yep. Uh, unplug, plug back in. How many cuss, curse words did fly while you were uh, troubleshooting? Oh, man. So many. And now, whenever, because <laughs> I've got kids, it's just I, I can't always call the dog a dumbass, you know? So, like, when I get yes. the opportunity to really unload, boy, do I unload. So, um, yeah. I, and that's something I learned when I started living with my wife. It's just like I can't just go on a little spiel just to make myself feel better because it might, it's going to, she's going to be wondering, freaking out what's wrong or she's going to have did, a reaction to my reaction. Did I marry Walt Kowalski? Like what the hell's going on here? <laughs> yeah. So I hope y'all like that grand Torino callback and I hope y'all are ready to talk about every position on the Kentucky football team. But first we got to mention the latest development this week from the recruiting front, Nigel Glover, Northwestern transfer, was in town. He was the first to faction and the biggest because he was the highest-ranked recruit in Pat Fitzgerald's highest-ranked recruiting class from Dayton. So there's some familiarity there um, with Kentucky and Vince Merrill and Nigel Glover. Um, so he, they were the first to get a visit, but look at he's got some other visits scheduled, and I, I, I don't particularly like how, how that all unfolded because – you just never like when Ohio State gets in the mix late. That is true, but where I'm sitting, I'm sitting here thinking, are they really going to take this guy? Like, this is a guy they could have had. They passed on him. They could – I mean, I, I would have to dig into kind of their linebacker depth chart and recruiting. But this has a feel of a player that they typically wouldn't take. So how much is it is getting him to visit and then kind of – yeah, do we want him or not? I mean, that feels like a lot of a lot, a lot of what's going on there. And so I'd like from that aspect, I almost like Kentucky if it's a roll of the dice either way, but Michigan State was probably a real competitor and they're out and if Ohio State's kind of iffy on him, then it's down to you and Michigan and that Michigan visit is way far away. Most fall camps for teams starting week 1, Nick Essentially, we'll start. I would start Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday of next week. I would assume. Mm-hmm. You need to make a decision pretty soon. I would imagine there, but all these schools are going to be pushing for that. So we'll have to take a wait and see approach. But I, I, this is not a normal recruitment for me. No. Where I see Ohio State and I'm just thinking, well, that's unfortunate. This is probably over. I wouldn't say that yet because they are. That that definitely had, or he has the feel of a guy that would definitely be a fringe guy for Ohio State. 
Now, I say that without knowing fully what their depth chart is and what their linebacker recruiting is looking like because I know in this next Ohio class, just trying to think off the top of my head, I don't know of any linebackers that really stand out towards the top of the class in the Buckeye State, but I would have to do some more research on that. Yeah, and more so for me, it's just the uh, canceling one visit to plan another while you're on uh, yeah. visit to Kentucky. That just doesn't – the optics aren't great. But, I mean, the other point you can make too is, I mean, Michigan and Ohio State, either of them could have offered him in high school, but they didn't. Kentucky did. There's a pre-established connection there. Mm-hmm. And there's also an opportunity to play too where, I mean – even though this is more of a long-term get and a long-term depth play, right? Like you could probably end your shut down your linebacker recruiting in the 2024 class, but Martez Thrower and David Rayner are the twos this fall. I mean, who's to say that this kid can't come in and take one of their spots and end up being in the rotation by the end of the year and playing special teams and participating in every game? I would assume that's why he decided to go to Northwestern was for some playing time, and maybe that opportunity is, is – you would think it would be much more readily available at Kentucky versus the other two schools. That and the academic sale. But I'm, I'm looking at Ohio State's 2024 commitment list right now, Nick. They have two top 50 linebackers in this 2024 class. One is in Ohio, um, Garrett Stover, is number 151 in the on-three industry ranking. I'm assuming that's Cade's little brother. So – it's not, you know, they they've got backers. <laughs> uh, yeah, where does yeah. he where does he fit in there? And is that something he wants to join? Um, you know, I mean, you never know with these Ohio guys. Arvell Reese was a guy they got last year, but I think he's more of an edge player. Um, looking at their last class, I don't see any linebackers. So maybe they maybe they do, maybe they don't. But I think you hit the nail on the head there. I think for Kentucky, there's an avenue for playing time. Trevor Wallace has a Jamin Davis-type junior jump, he could be gone. Then you're looking for a new starter there, and he could be in position to kind of grab that spot. And if that doesn't happen, he's going to be in position to start his third year in the program. That's a pretty good – and have playing time readily available at a position they rotate pretty frequently at. So that's a good – I think that's a strong selling point for Kentucky. But we're going to have to see how this shakes out. But he's – He's a good player, man. 6'3", 215, 220. He's going to be able to, I think, add 15, 20 pounds in a college weight program. Can really run, can strike, uh, plays with good instincts on tape. He played safety uh, for Clayton Northmont up there in the Dayton suburbs. So that's going to be a transi- uh, position switch. Uh, but he looks smart. I mean, similar to what I said to Elijah Groves, Nick, he can run and he can hit, and he's big. So the guys like that are typically going to stick. Yep. And he, I think – you talk about tagging those two together at linebacker, and then you add Grant Goffrey in the mix. That's a that's a group. Yeah. athletic upgrade from what Kentucky has had as a whole in that position room. I'm assuming Goffrey's going to eventually get shifted over. He's starting out in outside linebacker room, but we'll have to see how that works out. But the athletic pro, they're getting more athletic, and that would be a nice little, I think, twosome there because really you almost consider Glover kind of in the same classes because of how this is shaking out. But Yeah, because he'll be just behind. I mean, yeah, I mean, he, about you're talking about Gottfrey. If you got him, Nigel Glover, follow that up with a lot. If you keep Elijah Groves committed and you get him signed in December, that's that's a good group. That's some athleticism right there. Well, we will talk more about linebackers throughout this position preview that is presented by the spinning little thing on behind my head right now. 
that, uh, you know, I couldn't move it, but as you said, Luckett, the fan in the Roush office is a part of the podcast now. So if you're watching on YouTube, if you're not watching on YouTube, come on, get on over here and follow the sneaky snake that's just spinning around my head. Um, you should do it. You should do it. And let's get into the quarterbacks. First things first, Devin Leary, QB1. It's pretty – oh, look at those wonderful graphics by Stephen Peake. Yeah, you got to be watching on the KSR YouTube channel. But it's pretty cut and dry. Uh, Devin Leary is the quarterback. The question is, who's behind him and how good can he be? Let's start by the question of who's behind him because that's kind of what we'll focus on in the immediate future uh, in fall camp. That's what's going to be determined. We'll see the fruits of his labors later. But look at – I – we, we saw Destin Wade and we saw Kaya Sharon each get a start last year. And I can't really judge either start at all because of the circumstances surrounding the game where Iowa's defense was awesome and the best in the country, according to SP+. And then the South Carolina game opened with a trick play that was a complete disaster and Sharon was playing from the behind the entire game. So I, it's really hard for me to judge either. And I, while I, I think... Wade probably has the most long-term potential, or maybe if you wanted to throw the uh, opponent for a loop in a one-game pinch, I think that's there. But I also get the sense that Cohen just really likes Kai Sharon. He certainly liked him a lot the first go-around, and so he might end up being QB2 on the depth chart that's released in the first week of the season. For me, this is really the Chris Farley gif, the no idea. I I don't know. I don't think it really matters. If Devin Leary goes down – they're screwed. I mean, like to point it bluntly, <laughs> like it does. There's no real to me. There's no real separating. You would have to figure something out at that point. Break glass in case of emergency, and kind of maybe call Eddie Graham in the office of staff meeting room and figure out what what you need to do on the fly um, with your personnel. Maybe come up with some funky formation. Maybe stuff you could do with way in the run game. Or, but I don't know. I mean, this whole season really revolves around Leary and keeping him healthy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mentioned on at the, I don't a message board this week, KS board, KSR Plus, just I gave some thoughts with camp about to start. One of my thoughts was I'm just not going to spend a lot of time thinking about backup quarterback or talk, I really wanting to talk about it. There's no sense in like we can talk about it if it happens, but to analyze they're that, toast if it does. Like all their eggs are in the basket. Like, I mean, it just is what it is. Let's roll the dice and see what happens. But like they've made the decision here. And that's so, where it is. So, like, deba- us debate, like, I know that's going to be a popular topic, and I know, like, when we go to open practice, that'll probably be one of the first questions we get asked, who look better with the twos. To me, I don't know that it matters that much because they need it. Like, let's say let's say what it is. Cutter Bully's coming in. He's probably going to be the backup quarterback next year, and the starter's probably going to be a transfer, Nick, mm-hmm. in the portal. Those guys, yeah. um, Destin Wade and Kai Sharon, unless something drastic changes, in my opinion – probably aren't going to start at quarterback here. And so you're just kind of you're kind of stuck in a tough spot because your quarterback recruiting has just kind of struggled for a long time. Well, then, then that begs the question, what is the ceiling ceiling and floor with Devin Leary? Because it, it does feel like, uh, I mean, we talked about a lot at SEC Media Days, the accuracy, I mean, it's everything's going to look different with Devin Leary at quarterback. But it does feel like they're going to be more efficient. I just wonder about the, um, like, are the wow plays as wowy 
<laughs> with Devin Leary back there. And can he be good enough to, to do 10 wins in a regular season? Like, is that, if he hits, is that, is that, is that high enough? Can that, can that work? Yeah, number one, I think the personnel is going to be better around Leary. Play collar on down this next year. Number two, you talked about ceiling. Leary can be the SEC Offensive Player of the Year. Like, there's no denying that. If everything hits, he could throw for 40 touchdowns and have this huge year and push for 4,000 passing yards and be in Lee, Kentucky to a 9-3 or potentially 10-2 type season. The floor, non-injury floor, I think it's – I've talked about this. We talked about it media days, I believe. I think the floor is higher than Levis. I think non-injury, he's going to be able to complete a higher percentage of your pass of his passes – and you're going to have enough playmakers that are going to be able to make some plays where you can at least feel like it's probably going to be a middle-of-the-road offense. Uh, so I think the the floor is higher. I think the ceiling is really high. Now, if Levis, if everything hit for Levis, like, he could have turned into Justin Her- what we see Justin Herbert do for right, the Chargers right. on Sunday. Um, it's a different level of play and, high, and wow throws you could see. Now, Leary's probably – he's not going to make some of those athletic plays, but he can – make the throws and he can hit the doubles and he's going to hit a lot of I think he's going to hit a lot of doubles and so that that adds up over time if you want to see more film breakdown Van Howes friend of the program he had he had some fun uh ones that he broke down recently and oh no we're out of time (laughs) were you hearing music or was that just me I was hearing music okay I I want to make sure I wasn't crazy I think I think Peak's got some stuff cooking up for us let's move on to the next position running backs where Benny Snell and Chris Rodriguez, they ain't walking through that door, Adam Luckett. But there's a deep group here. And I actually, you know, while we all want to talk about what Ray Davis brings as a thousand yard rusher at Vanderbilt, uh, can can we start with your hot take? Because that is yes. that is my fun hot take about this season. If Jamarion Wilcox, if he hits, which he could. But he'll hit this season. It'll happen in October, and he can be the difference maker when the season gets really tough there in the back half stretch in November. To me, the fun part about this running back room is going out on a limb and making and making a projection on what's going to happen because I think a lot of stuff is on the table. Mm-hmm. I predict Wilcott, like in my bowl prediction under position previews, I predicted by, you know, by late in the year, he's going to be able to provide those explosive runs that the offense has been missing for a while. Um, but I also wouldn't be surprised if Ramon Jefferson, come November yeah. with fresh legs, is just we look up and he he ran for 165 yards on 17 carries against South Carolina. You're like, where did that come from? <laughs> and it's just they've got a deep room. Yeah. And so it, I think it could come from anywhere there. And watching how they balance that, I think, all year is going to be interesting. But I do think from a certain aspect, you want at some point Wilcox to – kind of get in this position where he's a capable, productive player because he is the future of that position in a lot of ways because you're going to have a lot of turnover in that room after this season. Mm-hmm. But they've got a lot of intriguing pieces like Jatama McClain and Deme Sumo Karn Bay are kind of interchangeable to me as kind of third down backs who can pass protect a little bit and or weapons as receivers. Then Ray Davis and Ramon Jefferson are kind of your in-between-the-tackles guys and then Wilcox is – Potentially your home run hitter. Just a, there's a lot of intriguing players there, and well, just and, how they manage I, all that is going to be something to watch. The, the key word there, though, just key words, is a lot. 
because last year Chris Rodriguez was down for those four games. It just the running game was non-existent. It just it just wasn't there. But now you feel like you're almost too deep in multiple styles, right? Where Davis and Jefferson are these kind of big guys who should be able to shed tackles and get yards in between the tackles. You've got your pass catchers and Demi Sumo and uh, Jatan McClain. And you've got a potential home run hitter with Jamarion Wilcox. So I, I, I think the best case scenario is that Wilcox becomes that big playmaker um, just for the future's standpoint. Um, but I also just don't know, like, I really don't know. That addition of Demi Sumo-Karmbe kind of threw me off there because it felt like they had a lot of guys. So how high are like, – what, 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 what's his ceiling, right? What's his role? And – and I think another part of this too, like it, we'll talk about it when we get to specialists. We probably won't go a full five minute on specialists, but like, Mark Stoops is putting a lot. Like he's he basically said Jay Bolware, like, do what you want, man. We're gonna give you the resources to to have at it, and he's got a lot to work with in this room. So, and are we doing the thing that we did in Eddie Grant's last year where we're like, why the hell aren't they giving the ball to Chris Rodriguez? Are we saying that about a player this year? Because, like, there's a very real scenario where Cohen, he's probably not going to be in charge, like, except for specific third-down situations where he wants one of those pass catchers in there. I don't ever he's buy like a- when they say that. I never buy when they say that, that the running back's making the coach making the call. I, I never buy that. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. They could tell us that. But I'm, Adam Luckett's not buying that. Um but yeah, I don't. I don't know if, if a star will emerge. Like, uh, well, and also just the rotation part aspect of it. When it's by committee, who is our Kentucky fans going to be pissed? Isn't getting the ball enough because that's going to happen at some point. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. To me, the big, like the running back one, it's a downgrade. But two through five, six is a huge upgrade this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was times last year where it was Cavasse, Smoke, and Lavelle Wright were your two backs for a couple yeah. games last year. It wasn't good enough. And it was bad. And yeah. so I think they've made they've raised the floor in a big way. And I think how the offense is built maybe going to be a little bit more pass heavy. They're going to see more passing. They've got capable pass catchers that can get open and run routes. And they're going to be they're going to have a lot of interchangeable parts there and I I think it's going to be an advantageous position and I'm really I th- in November, in late in the season, I think that's where you're really maybe going to see the running game take off. I think they mm-hmm. might have some issues early, but they're going to have fresh legs throughout the season, and that is going to matter when you get late in the season. More so than anything. But enough about the running backs. It's time to move on to the group that many people want to discuss. They have all offseason. The wide receivers. Barry on Brown and Denke each set freshman receiving records last year. Brown set the U.K. record for receptions and receiving yards. Key set the record for receiving touchdowns. The dynamic duo is back, and they also have Tavion Robinson back, who kind of disappeared towards the end of the year, uh, and that's putting it nicely. Uh, the probably more honest way to put it is he quit on his team. Uh, he was a guy who committed to play for Liam Cohen, had high expectations. Cohen leaves. That's just non-existent. So, look at with this wide receiver group, you have a decent three, and then you've got some solid young pieces behind them. There's not as many players. Like, there was a lot of attrition this offseason, a lot of, you know, kind of trimming the fat, if you will. Um, but even if there is a sort of 
like, like there's some guys that can fill in if one of them does have a downgrade. And part of what I focus my post on is like ensuring that there's not a sophomore slump between the stars because that's possible. I mean, it is. Nobody wants to talk about it, but Brian Brown and Dane Key, for as good, great as they were at times, they also no-showed a couple of times. Brown saved the day at Ole Miss a week later was a no-show. Same thing. Missouri for Dane Key, and the following week uh, he caught one pass for 30 yards against Vanderbilt when they really, really needed some playmakers there. So I'm confident that Cohen is – like I'm hopeful that Cohen is going to humble them enough, but I also – like it's kind of weird having these really great prima donna receivers when Mark Stoops is Mr. Blue Collar, no nonsense, right? It's just – just it feels a little bit different. Some will call that evolution, Nick. (laughs) What was Stoops' line at Media Days? If you don't like scoreboard you, tilters, or if you don't like to adapt, you're going to like irrelevance even less. Yeah, 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 yes. He loves that quote. So with me, I think the big question here. I mean, you are right. We are just banking and assuming that Barry and Brown and Danky are going to next take the next step. Leary's going to get on the ball. Tavian Robinson will turn to his Virginia Tech form, but I think there's good reasons to think that'll happen. Better scheme this year. Uh, still have a good quarterback back there. It's pitch and catch at the end of the day. And they got a good play caller, like we've talked about a lot since Cohen's been hired. So I think they're going to be fine at front for three. What I worry about is the depth and if an injury occurred. Because you need four, you need a fourth receiver yeah. at the end of the day. I mean, we're, the next position we're going to talk about that maybe makes that less of a worry. Right. And you look at the roster, it's – it's a lot of freshmen, man. Anthony Brown, Shamar Porter, Ardell Banks, Brandon White, redshirt freshman. You only have eight scholarship players, so that that gets you to Dekel Crowdis, redshirt sophomore. This is it. Yeah. We need to see it from Dekel. And yeah. we know he's got speed, but we also saw him run out of bounds against Vanderbilt, short of the, short of the sticks or whatever it was on that one catch. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, he's also gotten in trouble. Outside of football, right. it's just yep. like to me. It's a now is now is the time. We heard some good comments regarding Crowdis in the spring. Cohen was very high on him. We heard that he would really kind of solidified himself as a guy that could be a quality fourth receiver for them. But we have to see it on the field. And when you look at his skill set, he could potentially be a guy that could be a splash vertical playmaker for you because of that it's, it's, speed. It's all up here, man. It is between the ears. Yeah, but he's real I important mean, to the team. They, they're going to need something out of him. Uh, like, they're going to need, a, in a game or two this year, they're going to need two, three, four uh, catches from Dekel Crowdis to go beat someone. Uh, because they're going to need that next receiver. And so he's pretty important to his offense and base. It's kind of him. He's kind of on an island, unless we see one of the freshmen take a big jump. Which I, I will – Say that I'm. I, I left this off season. I, I was once very skeptical on Anthony Brown. I mean, even, you know, up until like too. a couple of weeks before signing day. But one thing that I really like about Anthony Brown is that dude is just always around. Even when he doesn't need to be around, the buy-in is really there. And that may sound like a dumb intangible, but like, especially at the wide receiver position, the. That that sort of stuff, the 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 work effort, like he very much fits the Kentucky culture. So I'm optimistic that 
whether it's this year or next year, he's going to end up being a quality football player for him. Maybe he doesn't have the highest ceiling because of his size and stature, but I am I am bullish on Anthony Brown. But, you know, this season, as you said, like it, it comes down to are your stars consistent stars and can Dekel Grautis give you more? Uh, before we get to the next position and talk about the ass kicker, we got to tell you about the ass kicker in the world of pants and shorts. That's bird dogs. They won't kick your ass. They'll cover your ass, but they'll make your ass look great because they're form-fitting, they're stylish, they're comfortable. I feel 10, 15 years younger I, when I wear them. I'm, I'm, not, I'm an out-of-style, out-of-touch old man, but when I put those bird dogs on, I feel like uh, I feel hip. I feel in the know, and most importantly, I feel comfortable with the super sleek liner inside the shorts. You don't even need to wear drawers, right? You don't need to wear your <laughs> underbritches because you got a pair of bird dogs that come with it and when you use promo code ksr or visit birddogs.com slash ksr they'll hook you up with a free tumbler yeti salve that's outstanding keep your cold drinks cold at the tailgate or keep your hot coffee warm birddogs.com slash ksr or promo code ksr at checkout don't get lost without them buy them bring them to the tailgates you'll feel aerodynamic all fall Wearing bird dogs at Kroger Field, watching the Kentucky Wildcats, watching this outstanding deep group of tight ends, Vince Merrill's room. This is this is the best of the best that he's had. Um, I mean, you might not have the one guy, but you might have the one guy that could be the best tight end of the Mark Stoops era. And look at from the ass kicker, our pal Josh Caddis, uh, frequent uh, flyer, recurring guest on the program, to Jordan Dingo. I mean, I just love the versatility of this room, the depth of it. And I, it's a position that gets banged up, so you need that. I mean, I, I, you can't stress that enough. And even the last guy, Kamar Anderson, if you had to use him in a pinch, that kid was an All-American in high school. I mean, he, he looks the part as a true freshman. Yeah, similar to the running back room, I kind of like the versatility in this position. You've got big tight ends that can play in line, Brendan Bates. You've got flex off-ball tight ends that can be more receivers, Isaiah Cummings, Jordan Dingle. You've got kind of a jack-of-all-trades from a blocking standpoint. And Caddis, I think he can hold up as an inline tight end, but I also think he can give you value as an off-ball tight end um, and to use to help spring. Uh, perimeter runs um, with blocks and are to help just lead up in there. It kind of has a glorified fullback. So I like the versatility of the room. I think Dingle and Caddis have NFL draft potential. We saw them both flash as freshmen. Yeah. They take the next step as sophomores. There's a chance to be something special there. And with Dingle, I think he's got a really good chance, Nick, to potentially maybe even be the number three receiver on this team. And you talk about you talk about burners on the outside, and you talk about being defenses maybe having to tilt outside and be very weary of where number two, where number six is. We got to watch nine maybe in the slot. Then you talk, then you, then it's eighty-five that can take advantage of some weakness, weaker parts of the defense. And I could see him having potentially a big year as a pass catcher. Well, and as much as we love C.J. Conrad, uh, another friend of the program, he was a good. Uh, not he was a good ball catcher, right? He was a good blocker, but he didn't have that juice in the open space. And and you, I mean, you'd have to go back to Jacob Tammy towards a, to find a guy at that Y spot that 
can provide a little bit of wiggle. And we, we saw Jordan Dingle show that he's comfortable in the open field. He can make people miss, and it's not just by lowering his shoulder. And that's the kind of dynamic that I, I think this position group's really been missing, and that really stresses your point. You know, good luck. I mean, the safety's got to – if you're, if you're playing cover two and – they got to pick one if he's running down the seam or if you got Dane or Barry on running on the outside. You got to cover one of them. So, good luck. Good luck that, with that. Yeah, that ties in to, to me, what are some of Leary's biggest strengths? I think it's accuracy and processing. You've got some weapons now, different guys that can get open and hurt defenses. I think Leary's going to be able to find them as long as they can protect the asset, which we'll get into here in a little bit. But the tight end position, I think Dingle can be a real weapon, and I think Caddis is going to have a lot of value in the run game. To me, early in the season, I'm really going to be looking at kind of his usage and how they use him. Or it could be a thing where they maybe try to save him in some of the wrinkles in the run game of having him lead up on maybe kind of outside zone or cut cut back on counter stuff. Um, and you just use Bates could, there, right? Just yeah. be a wrecking ball base. Well, just Sergio, yeah, just have him just kind of play normal tight end and then kind of do some more creative stuff as the season goes on. Uh, but, mm-hmm. like, those two have a chance. To me, what I, I think they can really raise the floor of the offense. Dingle can become your quality third, fourth option, middle of the field, intermediate target. And if Caddis can really make an impact on your running game, like, that is going to raise your floor. Ultimately, Leary... The offensive line, Danky, Barry, and Brown are going to determine the ceiling, but I think this tight end room can really help raise this group's floor. Yeah, and one another player we didn't mention, he had a huge year when Liam Cohen was here last time, Isaiah Cummings. You know, uh, having him as a potential mismatch creator, and even just giving the defense different looks where he comes in, they think it's a pass, it's a run. Uh, that, that can be a valuable tool by using the Louisville Mail product, who uh, had a less than stellar season last year. Um, under Rich Gangarello, but could have a, a resurrection this fall. I like the question from John asking if Kentucky can use the tight ends like Georgia. Uh, we love Dingo. We love Josh Caddis. They ain't Brock Bowers, right? Yeah, yeah. They ain't Brock that's Bowers. A, that's uh, a that's a big time ass kicker right there. <laughs> um, hey, Cummings did have a nice carry last year for a first down in a round, but he ain't no Brock Bowers. <laughs> that no that Brock is on Bowers. the laundry list of strange things to happen in the Rich Gangarello era. Oh, man. Uh, let's move on to the big blue wall. The biggest question we've gotten all offseason, can they get it fixed? It was a big talking point at SEC Media Days. And like it, to skip, let's skip the 10,000-foot kind of analysis. And I want to get right to one of the questions, especially the, the additions of Tanner Bowles and Ben Christman from the transfer portal. feels like there's a solid interior. So let's go to break worst-case scenario and kind of work our way back. Let's say a tackle gets hurt. What do you do next? What happens if Marcus Cox or Cortland Ford goes down? Yeah, to me, that's one of my biggest questions. Who's the third tackle? Is it Jeremy Flax? Or can someone like Ben Crisman play tackle? Or Nick Hall. You know, who we or, yeah, we'll see, see when spring, they call. You know, He's still young. Freshman. Right. Yeah. He's still young. But because Cortland Ford, I think the long term plan with Cortland Ford is get a year at right and then shift him back over to left tackle. Mm hmm. And then find another tackle potentially in the portal. And then I think they could be in pretty good shape there if they're able to find a good tackle in the portal. Uh, but I think Chrisman and Bowles, what they do, Nick, again, we talked about just tight end. I think the floor has been raised here with them and with the tackle transfers. 
you at least now I we we need to see on third tackle, but you at least have two gu- quality guard backups, I believe, in Bowles mm-hmm. and Chrisman. So if someone stinks, they don't they can pull them and play someone yeah. else. If, if they have a bad day, right, just for whiffing. Right. And then Boom. you just the experience factor. You have a lot of experience. Kenneth Horsey, a four year starter, started thirty something games. Marcus Cox played 2,000 career snaps in Northern Illinois. Eli Cox has played. He'll be a three-year starter. He's played a lot of football. Jagger mm-hmm. Burton's got a full year under his belt. Cortland Ford played over 700 snaps in the Power Five Conference. Eight, eight starts, I want to say. And then Cox has – he was a three-year starter as well yeah. at the G5 mm-hmm. level. Which yeah. is – think about the starts last year. Uh, your left tackle, Horsey, had one start at left tackle. Jagger Burton was a redshirt freshman. Eli Cox was playing a new position. So yeah, all, if, all across if, the board. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the experience, I love that part. I like hearing, too, that some of the reports from the defensive guys about how difficult it is to go up against Marcus Cox in pass pro, the guys they got seem to benefit the new scheme that they're trying to run. And this this transition, right, Kentucky was an inside zone power run team. And we go back to that word you used earlier, evolution. They're trying to evolve into more of an outside zone, play action, pass pro team. They couldn't do it right away when Cohen first got there because the personnel. Feels like you have more fits for that now, both in the running back room and the running game and just who you brought in as pass blockers at offensive tackle. Yeah, I mean, when I threw my scouting head on for both Marcus Cox and Cortland Ford, I thought they were better pass protectors than run blockers. So that kind of fits that. Mm-hmm. You get Jagger Burton in there in the pivot. That's gonna that that's to me having an athletic center is kind of like having a Mike linebacker that can run. You just it just makes your line so much more athletic because that guy's able to get to the second level, saw off linebackers, recover and pass pro, help back to a check one side but get back quick enough to help um, on a backside guard in a protection scheme to just kind of move around and do a lot of different things. And then at guard, I mean, the Cox-Horsey guard duo was one of the better ones in the SEC in 2021. Mm-hmm. And so there's some pieces there where I think they can be solid in the middle of the row in the conference. I don't think the ceiling's super high with this group, but the floor I know is raised. And if they stink this year, yeah. you've got to reevaluate uh, what's going on in that room. Yeah, that there's no there's no doubt about it. Um but I, I don't want to get to that bad of a break glass in case of emergency instead uh, because we're going to talk about the ad nauseum throughout the year. I'd like to tip my cap to Kenneth Horsey because I remember talking to his parents about three or four years ago about how terrified they were when they took him to the hospital and said he had to have heart surgery. Yeah. And this dude has played – as a, as a dad, like it, I don't know if it changed for you, but that sort of stuff hits me a lot different now. And it is just so remarkable that that kid – had to have open heart surgery months before showing up on campus, and look at him now. Like uh, it's 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 just remarkable. So shout out to him for the longevity and for kind of sticking around to help get this correct course after things went astray last fall. And even he had the Georgia game where he had that issue with his heart. Like he had to miss the game, and then he came back next week and played. So yeah, I mean it's, that crazy. I mean just a cool story. Wonderful story. Shout out to Kenneth Horsey. And shout-out to the Big Blue Wall. Hopefully they get back on track. One group that I'm not worried about, knock on wood, is the Kentucky defensive line. And, it, I was trying to 
I think my favorite part about this defensive line, my the biggest takeaway is just they're the biggest, longest, strongest that Kentucky's ever had in, in my lifetime. Uh, this should be a great group of run stuffers. And the best part of it, though, is that they're so you can do so much with all these pieces because Dion, Big Dion, can play any three positions. He can play any technique on the defensive line. Khalil Saunders is a three-tech that can play five technique. He's built like a defensive tackle, like a play defensive end. Octavius Oxentine, very similar. Both, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jamarius Dinkins, like that dude looks like a three-tech, and he can play nose and be a disruptor. There's so much versatility. I was, you know, we're doing the thing where we're writing, like, the starters and the rotation. It's like, I, I mean, it's like throw it against the wall, right? Like, you can do so many fun packages. And the one that I really want to see, though, is the one with – Khalil Saunders at defensive end, Dion at three tech, and Keyshawn Silver at nose. And that's just like, I mean, that's like just rolling out a bunch of giants down there. I mean, it's an enormous, enormous defensive line yeah. that Amor Stewart's got to work with. Yeah, I think the intriguing part is this whole room outside of really Keyshawn Silver has played. A lot. Like, you know, at least a like year. You've you know? got a lot of reps under your belt. If you're Amar Stewart and defense coordinator Brad White, you can tinker a lot. De- I mean, Deion Walker is – he is a superhero. He's the Batman of that room. Mm-hmm. And then he's got a bunch of good sidekicks, what it seems like to me. I think Khalil Saunders is a guy – if you ask me for one guy who maybe was unexpected, like breakthrough player on defense, I would probably pick him. He was yeah. only a redshirt freshman last year. He's still only a redshirt Deacons. sophomore. I'm so bullish on those two. Those are going to be numbers that, like, the first few games you don't realize, oh, gosh, who who is that guy making that play? Dinkins and Saunders, remember those guys. And you but, get to Silver, oh. I mean, he's the ultimate wild card. Does the light come on for Darian Henry Young, former Ohio State transfer? And you just got you got a lot of depth here. Josiah Hayes is being pushed really hard. Octavius Oxenine is going to be pushed. Drayvon Ripka is going to be pushed. Again, we talked about fresh legs in November. This defensive line, I think, is going to be have a healthy rotation throughout the year, and that's going to lead to longevity for this defense because they're going to be able to rotate bodies, roll them in and out, um, and be stout throughout throughout the season. And that experience factor matters at this position. Um, just from a one physical mature level, you've got to be a certain level of strong and badass to play this position, but yep. also – you know, you've seen everything. You've seen all the schemes in this league. You've seen what teams want to do. That That's all going to matter. I think the, the potential of this group is really high. And what you want to see the uptick is pass rush production. Right, right. To me, that starts with Walker. But yep. and then, if Walker gets to a point where Nick, where he just, if he turns into total wrecking ball in October, where it's like, first things first, got to get this big son of a gun blocked and then worry about everything else next. That's going to open up other opportunities, I think, for everyone else. So there, the path is there, I think, to Kentucky that see that sack rate and total sack number, see that pressure number, pressure percentage, all that go up. Uh, but it, to yeah. me, a lot of it starts with big number zero. Yeah, and I would add, too, that Octavius Oxendine, if he can be the player we think he can be, he can raise Kentucky's ceiling, particularly in the pass rush, because he showed a lot of explosiveness uh, prior to that season-ending injury in 2021, he he got too light in the britches last year. Um, 
He's transformed his body, and he's the kind of he's the vocal leader of that group. So if he's playing well, it feels like everybody else will rise up with him. And briefly to go back to your point too about uh, the experience. If you go to next Saturday's open practice for Kentucky Football Fan Day and you watch the defensive line work, they aren't busting heads half the time. A lot of the times, they're just using their hands to like touch each other in the chest. It's a it's a leverage game, and the hand slightest, fighting. yeah, the slightest difference in hand placement is the difference between being blocked versus sacking the quarterback. So ha- having that experience is invaluable, um, and I, I don't know what it's going to take to get those sack numbers up. But even if it's just pressure rate and they're forcing guys to, to run around, uh, that has to be better, right? That, that's your biggest criticism, and that's what you're looking for this position group coming up n- this fall. Next up, we've got the linebackers, them old backers. Uh, D-Jack, <laughs> D-Eric Jackson, and Trevin Wallace are basically starters that are returning, even though they weren't starters because they played so much last year. And – like it, I've never felt like that. Just it feels like they've been in the program for a long time, but yet now it's kind of all on their shoulders. And ultimately, I think the schedule is going to help them get comfortable in that role where you have a little bit of runway, um, but you also can't afford to get them too banged up because you are so unproven behind them with Martez Thrower, who he's got some uh, a few spotty spot reps here and there, and David Rayner, who's Played a lot, but he's light in the shorts too. Went through some injuries during his time at Northern Illinois. So uh, depth is as much a concern as anything at that inside linebacker position. I want to see Trevin Wallace prove in the box against the run. But outside of that, you know what you're getting with that starting two. That's a good starting SEC off-ball linebacker duo. To me, the issue <clears throat> excuse me, is just with depth. Yeah. What do you have there? Who's the number three? Is it Devere and Rayner or is it Martez Thrower? You're probably going to need four. We've seen years where Kentucky really needs four. That is a concern. One of my bigger concerns with the defense is just this linebacker depth. If things got bad, do you like have to look to shifting someone over like Keaton Wade or something? Is yeah. that something we see maybe in fall camp is him Wade or getting some reps in there at off at off bill linebacker? Yeah, or Grant Goffrey. So that, that is the one part for me. Other than that, I feel really good about that first two. I think they're going to be really good. Um, I like the combo where Jackson's more of you're just old-school Mike linebacker who can fit the run, and Trevin Wallace is more of a modern-day linebacker where he can play in space, he can cover, he's a real weapon in zone coverage. We've already seen him factor in as a coverage defender. He got two picks last year, um, covers a lot of ground, and so – I, I like that. I really like that duo a lot. Then out at the edge, JJ Weaver is playing for an NFL contract, for the lack of a better term, right? Like he has all the potential, put on a lot of weight this offseason. He's always been an exceptional edge setter, and he's had a few big moments. You know, most particularly those interceptions uh, against Florida, and I want to say Louisville was the other big pick he had. Um, but you're looking for a little bit more. I mean, you're just looking for more havoc, right? Uh, that was what Jordan Wright brought to the table. I'm curious, what do, do we do? We have a feel on who might be the guy behind them because they've recruited well at that spot, but who's going to jump up and be the guy 
that is the, the man uh, this fall that, that surprises the Big Blue Nation. Fearbury, Matthews, Godfrey, is it Wade? Um, I, I, I don't know. I, 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 would, I would like to think Fearbury has the juice for it, but Wade has show, showed the consistency in, as a true freshman in the last fall. I think it's Keaton Wade who's going to be his top backup there at Jack. Played last year, looked good in spots. He's already 250-so pounds. He's pretty similar to Weaver to me, more of a run defender first, edge setter, guy who can really factor in in the run game, but does he have the athleticism to turn the corner, bend the edge, and win in mm-hmm. one-on-one in the pass rush? We'll see. I I don't want us to just crap on that because there is a lot of value in that. I mean, if, yeah. if J.J. Yeah. Weaver, he's going to get paid in the NFL and he's going to get drafted because he can set a hard edge and he could be of real value as a run defender. Uh, there, There is value in that, and it's going to show up in big games this year. To me, Weaver, just that, keep him healthy. If you keep him healthy for a year, hopeful year, he's probably going to give you 65 tackles, 10, 11, 12 tackles for loss, four sacks and a forced fumble, and maybe an interception or two. And that's an all-SEC type season. So, I mean, he's proven he can do that. It's just keeping him healthy. Um, you want to see Wade kind of get in there because he's, I think, next in line. To me, the wild card is Tyrese Fearbury because he has that ad- athleticism, that get-off, um, that bend to be a potential edge rusher and be kind of a game-changer for your defense. Do we see it at all this year? Uh, that That is my question. What can he provide them? Can he provide – can he be a third down – Specialists that can go in there and get, heat up the quarterback. Yeah, that, that would be a wonderful addition, especially when they do those sub packages. Um, like, could you throw Fearbree at a five technique and just, you know, see ball, get ball, right? Like, have Fearbree, Dion, and Quill Saunders. Oh, a lot of fun, a lot of possibilities on Brad White's defense. Let's move back to the defensive backs and start with the good news. The good news is that. You've got three safeties that are essentially starters, and Mark Soup said we're not going to have any trouble getting Jalen Geiger, Jordan Lovett, and Zion Childress minutes. It just is exactly where. Um, is it nickel? Is it free? Is it strong? There's probably going to be some moving around. Uh, what I'm more fascinated and interested by is the competition at cornerback. And look at your – I'd like to hear your thoughts. You explain just what kind of the best case scenario is for Drew Phillips and in what this cornerback position, cornerback and nickel, could end up looking like. Yeah, I think if things go to plan, you would have Andrew Phillips would be your base early down cornerback, Phil cornerback. And then I think in obvious passing situations, you would slide him down the slot nickel and then you would play Maxwell Hairston at field cornerback, and then you would play J.Q. Hardaway into the boundary. For that to hit, I think J.Q. Hardaway's got to make some big strides here fall camp. I think leaving the spring, I think Hairston had his, I wouldn't say significant or sizable lead, but I think he was in the lead for that cornerback two spot. Yep. Uh, I would assume he was going to play into the boundary, and it's just that's – from what we've seen in the past, it's lighting the bridges for Kentucky out there on the boundary uh, for him. I mean, he's 175, 180 pounds. Um, I know they love kind of his ball skills, uh, but he's kind of got some, you know, this guy just got paid yesterday. It's probably not fair to comp him 
But Trayvon Diggs gets burnt all the time for the Cowboys. But he makes interceptions. So, like, he got paid. And that there's kind of some Trayvon Diggs-esque vibes with Maxwell Harrison where you talk about he makes plays all the time in practice, but he's also out there getting torched at times from what we've heard. And so how do they kind of figure that out? I think Hardaway's more of a scheme fit in what they want to do. So getting him out there I think is going to be important at some point. But I think if it worked out, you would have just Andrew Phillips in the nickel, and then it saves those safeties where they don't. We don't need Jalen Geiger or whoever to slide down. You can have a healthy rotation there to keep all those guys uh, fresh and have a, keep those snap counts down there at the back. At the safeties with Zion Childress, Jordan Love, and Jalen Geiger. Yeah, it, the it, the the worst part is just that there's. Replacing two cornerbacks, we've seen this before, and it hasn't gone well. Uh, and also, the time that we saw Maxwell Harrison, it was in a pinch when Carrington Valentine uh, got hurt. You throw in Maxwell Harrison, fourth and long, it's a prayer, and they catch it on it. Will Shepard catches it on its head. So, there's not a lot for us to work with, but he showed a lot of ball skills during spring practice that were encouraging. Um, What's well, this sight little... for sore eyes in that room? Because that's not something we've seen. An awful lot of. Yeah. I mean, Carrington Valentine was in position a lot. And that was one real knock on him, I think, in the draft was they weren't. he wasn't coming down with the ball when he probably should have had four. If you watch the tape, he probably should have had four or five interceptions last year. Well, and the, the other thing, too, did you notice Mark Stoops when asked about the cornerbacks? He talked about playing some more man. Did you catch that in media days? Essentially, we got a – Sometimes you gotta go one on one and lock somebody down. So they, I, I they know played more man he, last year, and he gets. But a I lot think of a lot of that where they people. felt right, right, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I think they felt more comfortable in their corners last year. That's why they played more man. It, it, it all comes can you cover people? I mean, that's really what it comes down to. It's not rocket science, <laughs> right? Um, it's just yeah. how do they feel there, and what what are their players there? They have. Like, when they had a bunch of 6'3", six, 6'4", six, corners, it really made sense to just play a lot of cover three because you're so long in zones. Yeah. But you mentioned you mentioned that, but when Brad White talks about his defense, what Kentucky's defense is, it's a lot of uh, being long, athletic, clog zones. <laughs> you're not clogging zones in man coverage. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, but they did play more man last year. Some plays they got burnt on, that Vandy, they were in man coverage there, or what looked like be man coverage. Uh Who's going to be the first safety to get ejected for targeting? Is it going to be Lovett or Childress? Because it happens uh, every yeah, year. It's, it's going to happen. D, D West. It was right when they changed the rules, and D West had a yeah. hard time with it. Um, I got a feeling that there's going to be Childress is pretty smart, but there's going to be one time where Lovett just can't help himself. Yeah, and he just knocks somebody's block off. Lovett's playing free safety, which in Kentucky scheme is a safety they roll into the box a lot as an extra run force player, so he would be my guess. He just clob- oh. clobbers some poor line guys, or tight end coming over the middle or something. Those guys are going to be a lot of fun, uh, which which wasn't a lot of fun last year was watching UK special teams efforts. They were not great, Bob, not great. Yeah. From the snap to the kick to the hold. Uh, fortunately, Matt Ruffalo salvaged the season with four field goals in the Governor's Cup, the most unlikely Governor's Cup MVP since they started handing out that baseball bat to <laughs> Talk trophy. about a wild card. Yeah. Um, and as I alluded to before, Mark Stoops hired Jay Bowler. He said, go fix this. So Jay Bowler said, all right, let me get a whole new room. 
He got a new quality control guy from the NFL. He got a kicker from Georgia Southern and Alex Rayner. Um, and then a whole bunch of other guys that look at, I'm not going to lie, I need this position preview just to figure out their names, who they are, where they're from, because it is it is a completely it's a completely different room. It's a completely different room, and um, it, it it it's it's not as bad as the offensive line, but it's a it better be better or else. Usually, the week one depth chart, we know what it is going in. There's not really there's a couple surprises, but nothing big this year. Anything goes with a specialist. I like. <laughs> Who knows what it's going to be. The only thing I feel comfortable predicting is that Alex Rainer, the Georgia Southern transfer, is going to be the starting place kicker. And that every other position going to return kicks. Yeah. yeah. Long snapper, <laughs> punter, kickoff specialist, even punt returner, because there could be a battle yeah. between Tavian Robinson and Barry Brown. I have no idea. So No idea. Let's wait and, and see. It, one thing we got to mention, you're going to see it practice. There's always been a special teams period. The special teams drills they did, they did during the spring are I've never seen anything like it before. Like gunners doing drills. Yeah, yeah. The whole I mean the whole team except for, you know, the linemen, everybody is doing special team stuff and they're doing different things to to work on the fundamentals of it. So it should be better. It should be better. Fingers crossed. Um our chance poor and the Australian kicker that escapes my name right now, Wilson Berry. Wilson Berry. They could get left in the dust. They likely will. Um, you know, it's tough, but such is life. Um, so I, I don't know. I just, as Mark Stoops said, let's just make the routine the routine, shall we? Yeah. The one thing I do like, they have multiple options now. Every position, they have multiple options at kicker. They have multiple options at punter. They have multiple options at long snapper. Multiple options as a kickoff specialist. Somebody stinks. Just pull them. <laughs> Which I mean, was an issue last year. Yeah. The operation stunk, and they couldn't do nothing about it. Uh, I mean, yeah. it leads to Mark Stoops talking about coaching a golfer in a press conference on a random Monday Every time. in November. Every time. Yep. Uh, good good fellow gets hurt for the year, and you're like, well, so who's going to punt it now? You know? I mean, <laughs> it, it it was it was a mess. Uh, but if, if – if they can just make the routine, look the routine, that'll be much, much improved from last year. We're speaking of routines. We're Let's trying go. to get no a new one. No extra point block. I've seen enough PATs be blocked. Let's get and, that and out no of snaps, there. And no snaps over the head, too. I mean, that we've seen they changed the rule. Too many of those, yeah. They changed the rule for crying out loud. We're not going to get bailed out with a flag anymore. Uh, but speaking of routine, we're trying a new routine here at KSR. It's, it's, we're, we're, we're trying this, but the goal is – for Monday through Thursday, you're going to have a show on the KSR YouTube channel live at 5. Now, the regular season might poke some wrinkles in that because that's right around the time when Mark's, you know, usually Brad White talks about 5.15 on Wednesday afternoons. So we might pre-record and roll at 5. We might not talk till 7. But the goal is every day, live at 5, you're going to have a new show, whether it's the KSR Football Podcast on Monday, Sources Say on Tuesday, 11 Personnel on Wednesday, we're going to get you into a routine so you know what to expect. Instead of turning on the local news, you can pop on your YouTube app. You can come with us. So subscribe to the KSR YouTube channel. It'll be there ready to rock and roll every day, Monday through Thursday at Friday, uh, at 5. And then Friday, we'll have a little lunchtime special. Not sure exactly what that's going to look like. Don't know if that's going to be a pick three luck it or some other show. But I, I want that to be a fun, um, let's just talk college football in some 
way, shape, or form for the upcoming weekend because you know how it is. We we got takes on all these games. We got to let them out somehow. Amen. I mean, I I mean, I could just got, host. I could go Colin Cowherd and host a three-hour show on Friday where I could just go down the slate and talk about every game. Let's just get pick. In That's here. not out of my wheelhouse. And, and just, just get pick in here. Program. Yeah, just get yeah, pick in we here. Do it. We'll we'll do some program talk, or maybe it's uh, Andy Staples, which uh, I've enjoyed his show so far. Really, I mean, I, I I said it Monday, but the Clark Brooks segment, all time segment, and hell, we need to just get Clark on and talk analytics for five minutes every Friday. Um, we could do that. That 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 could be a fun addition. Uh, to our programming, but we got a lot of exciting stuff coming this fall. UK football media day is next Friday. So fan day, be a lot Saturday, of stuff August 5th. Rolling out. Fan day is Saturday. And if you want to watch the team before they take the field, that's your chance. So mark your calendar. It's usually a morning. Uh, and it's always a fun time at the Joe craft football training facility. It's always a fun time hanging out with you on 11 personnel. Shout out to our friends at Monticello bank and bird dogs. And, hey, it's been a lot of fun for Adam Luckett and Nick Roush. Go Cats. Go Kroger.